Jake Smith. And I think right now, DK did not really uh, calibrate that well for this price. Swipe Right Sports, it is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. Episode 46, raise your hand if you were one of those individuals that was burnt by the Jake Smith not playing with no announcement and also maybe had Brennan Armstrong in your lineup at quarterback. And I know there are many of you raising your hands along with me because I believe Brendan Armstrong was the highest percentage owned player in the big contest and Jake Smith was number three. So if you were in that bucket with me, around 2, 2.30, you kind of went, well, let's, uh, let's start looking at the night contest. That's <laughs> pretty much how it went, but uh, it happens. This is part of, um, I think, playing the college contests. There's always going to be much, much more imperfect information than the NFL. They just don't have to divulge um, every single player's status before the game. There's not these beat retorters following them around. I mean, there are, but it's just it's nowhere near as intense as it is in the NFL or required for that matter. So um, it was just kind of a... Um, Tough beat there if you had Jake Smith, and a lot of people did. So, uh, look, let's move on here. We're going to go to week seven, the CFB DFS day slate. Afterwards, NFL pick segment, some possibly explaining to do there. But uh, let's start in college first right now. All right, welcome in one and all. Let's start with the first game. It is Clemson at Georgia Tech. Clemson minus 27 over under of 64. And I think there's value here at Clemson in their receiving core. First, Amari Rodgers at 6,200. I think uh, over the course of the season, he's been more along the lines of like a 75-ish hundred. His price kind of inexplicably has come down for some reason. Um, I think it's a mistake where now they're playing in games where you're going to get a solid four quarters out of the starters, most likely. So he's a guy that I think has the upside to finish near the top of the board at the wide receiver position. So I think he offers a ton of value here. The other guys are Frank Ladson Jr. at 4,600 and tight end Brandon Galloway at around 4K. Um, this has kind of been the pecking order as of right now. And uh, Ladson Jr. is kind of potentially the star opposite of Amari Rodgers to potentially break out as the second go-to guy in the offense for Trevor Lawrence. The other guy I wanted to mention was Joseph Nagata, who is expected to return. He's at 4K. Um, he did not play the last week or two, I believe, and he's talked up a lot around that program as a guy they're really excited about, and along with Frank Latson Jr. has become that uh, next star at that position for Clemson. So um, he's kind of flying a little bit under the radar. I think him and Latson Jr., offer um, a lot of upside here and a lot of decent floor with a solid price. So 
I, I like um, what I'm seeing right now from Clemson at wide receiver, where they're going to get probably a solid four quarters out of their starters. The other guy, uh, or the thing I wrote down here for this game is ETN worth it at 8,600. And this is the question that we all have to kind of debate each week with the guys at the top of the prices is, okay, is are they optimal still? Are they worth it? And my answer is yes. And here's why. Uh, last week for the night contest, ETN and Najee Harris for Alabama were two of the top three highest percentage owned guys, and they were both in the winning lineup. And the point is, is that just because everyone else is playing them, it doesn't mean you have to fade them. You got to just be different elsewhere. And it's and sometimes you have to play them because no one else really offers the upside of 50 to 60 points that they do. And even if they do, you're just not going to know when and where it's going to come from. For the example of like last week with Kenny Yaboa for Mississippi, the receiver who blew up. Yeah, he had a crazy week, but that's probably going to be the best week of his season statistically. And it's unlikely he'll ever attain that again. With these guys, with the big dogs like ETN, Najee Harris, Chuba Hubbard, um, week to week, they're capable of doing that damage. So sometimes you just kind of have to play them and figure out where to be different elsewhere and find the diamonds in the rough like Kenny and Boa. So um, my answer is yes. I'm probably going to have ETN L almost everywhere if I can help myself. So on the Clemson, or sorry, Georgia Tech side here, we're looking at about 18-ish points projected, probably out on everyone here besides Jameer Gibbs at 5,400. Maybe Jeff Sims, just because of the price at the position he's at at quarterback, I'm strongly considering him. Um, look, his average is around 23 points in DK. If you're getting that from the quarterback position at 5,100, you're doing your job. That that's working. You know, if you look at Trevor Lawrence's DK prices, I think his top total for the season is around 30 points. So he's at like 9K. So, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense if Sims can attain his average. And the reason I think he'll be able to have that higher floor around 20, 25 each week, it's the rushing stats. You're looking at about 60 to 80 rushing stats. He's got a touchdown, I think, on the ground in three of the four games they played, something like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm strongly considering Sims. I, I explained why, and I think uh, it makes a lot of sense. So, as far as the receivers go... I think the prices on them are good, but the ceiling remains low, and there's still not really a clear number one option, and that's just because Sims at this point is still young. This isn't some high-octane passing attack that they have because he's still growing as a passer. So I I, I think the prices are good, but I just don't know where the value is going to necessarily come from week to week. So I think there's other options I'd like elsewhere. So we're going to move on to Ole Miss at Arkansas. Ole Miss... The Flying Kiffins, minus two and a half over under 76. And uh, QB Matt Corral and Elijah Moore are good. That is my first note. So I'm not going to talk about them. You know uh, they're the higher-priced guys, and they have the crazy ceilings. So I think I also mentioned Kenny Yuboa. I think he's fairly priced now after his big game. Snoop Connor also fairly priced at 5500 after a solid outing. And the question there is, is his emergence in kind of that big game against Alabama, are we now capping the ceiling a bit on Jerry and Eli moving forward? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, time will tell, but I think Snoop Connor's going to be involved, and you might just have to uh, tread lightly there with Jerry. 
So on the other side with Arkansas, I think this is one of the big uh, factors for this slate. But if Rakeem Boyd at running back remains out, I think Traylon Smith is one of the top value plays at running back at like 6,100. And he had a really nice game last week in his start. He's involved in the passing game. So I, I really like him at 6,100 if Boyd is out. All of the wide receivers have value in a plus matchup, but it just lacks a clear top option. I think there's more reliable options elsewhere, like DeMonte Coxey at 6,100 in our next game. It is UCF at Memphis, a game of high intrigue because of the three and a half, uh, UCF minus three and a half, and the over-under of 73 and a half, so a back and forth projected shootout that everyone will be interested in. And one of my favorite plays that I talked about maybe a week or two ago is Jalen Robinson. He continues to be um, just a great price floor upside value at around 6400 I believe, this week. And then check on Trey Nixon's status at wide receiver for game. He hasn't played, I think, for the last one or two games. That could impact uh, guys like Marlon Williams and Jalen Robinson's volume. And then at running back Otis Anderson, is he just kind of turning into this RB1? Uh, he out-touched Greg McRae 21-7 in their last game. And that was a game, I believe, that Otis Anderson was questionable to even play. So it makes you wonder, um, is he kind of morphing into the lead horse in that backfield and in the main guy? If so, I think he offers a ton of value at around 61, 6,200, I believe, um, in such a high-powered offense. So um, on the other side, with Memphis... The market adjusted on Sean Dykes correctly, but incorrectly on DeMonte Coxie. Uh, Coxie is uh, the clear-cut number one guy in this offense. Maybe 1-1-A with Dykes at this point, but still. Uh, he's Brady White's main target. He's capable of those crazy like double-digit catch games. 120 yards, a couple touchdowns, especially in a game like this where you know there's going to be a lot of scoring. So, uh, Coxie, one of the best value guys on the board at receiver this week in my mind. And then the other guy, kind of a secondary role, Kellen Austin in their last game out the third. He had a line of 678 and one. And um, I think he has a little bit of value here, 40, I think 4,800, I believe. And then also solid value running back with uh, Rodriguez Clark at 5,600 and Kylan Watkins at 51. My choice would be Rodriguez Clark. So I think that's all I have to say on that game. Let's move on to Kansas at West Virginia. West Virginia minus 22, over under 51. I'm not sure what you really want me to say about Kansas at this point. Uh, they're own three. They've been outscored 132 to 44. I, I that's it. I, I guess I like the price on Puka and wide receivers Andrew Parchment and Steven Robinson. But these guys are struggling to score, you know, multiple touchdowns in one game. So I, I just don't know what to do here. They look terrible. The quarterback play is terrible. Um, do what you want with them. I'm not going to spend any more time. So let's go to West Virginia. Uh, yes, Letty Brown will be in all lineups. There you go with that. Uh, I also have no doubt that there will be value from wide receivers. Someone will come away with some, you know, crazy 6, 7, 130 yards, two touchdown games. But who? Who? I, it's hard to say at this point. My favorite candidate would be Sam James. Um, I think there's better price floor upside options on the slate here, but Sam James is my favorite for West Virginia. The other one would be uh, TJ Simmons and Bryce Ford Wheaton. They have really um, solid prices and floors as well. So um, yeah, 
Let's get out of West Virginia. I think it's pretty straightforward. Play Letty Brown. There you go. Uh, with Pitt at Miami is the next game. Miami minus 10.5 over under 49.5. It's pretty straightforward on both sides at this point for these teams. Uh, we know with Pitt, it's Jordan Anderson, Jordan Addison, and Taser Mack. Solid value at receiver. Uh, I think Addison should even be probably maybe $1,000 higher than his price is at about 5500 He's had seven catches in every full start he's had. There's only one game where he got an in-game injury uh, where he did not attain those numbers. But other than that, he's been rock solid. Also, Jared Wayne and DJ Turner offer solid price floor combos. Running back Vincent Davis, also solid price floor combo at 4900 We know the Canes D was a little bit leaky against the run versus Louisville and Clemson, so uh, they are not the steel curtain. And Vincent Davis gets about 15 touches a game. So at 4900 solid price at running back. Can he pick it at quarterback? Uh, I'll probably look elsewhere because of the total on this game at 49.5. So on the Kane side, we just know it's Derek King at quarterback, Cameron Harris at running back, and Brevin Jordan. If Brevin Jordan plays, which he is expected to, he left last week's loss against Clemson in the second half with a shoulder injury. But he is super mispriced at 5K if he does play. He's the clear number one receiving option for De'Eric King in this offense. And um, I think is capable of you know some 8-9 to nine catch games, 100 yards, stuff like that. He can really put up big numbers. So um, I think at 5K, it's going to be hard to find anyone with a better upside. Let's get out of this game and go to Louisville at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is minus 17 over under of 64. Louisville also pretty established pecking order at this point. We know Malik Cunningham, quarterback, Tutu Atwell, the top option in the past game, and Javian Hawkins. Those are the main courses on offense, and all are fairly priced in this matchup, in my mind. The value at wide receiver is Des Fitzpatrick and Braden Smith and Marshawn Ford. Smith would be my choice because of his price floor combo, and he's just a big play threat. I think he's averaging around 25 yards per catch and usually when he makes a play it's a big one so if I was looking for value he would be my choice uh, for the secondary receivers in Louisville on the other side for Notre Dame wide receiver position starting to clear up a little bit Javon McKinley played his first full game against FSU last week he had a five catch 107 line he was already expected to be the clear number one wide receiver one on this team Um, but he did not play the first few weeks due to an injury. And he's at 5,500, so I think as long as he's playing and he's healthy and you're going to get four full quarters from the starters, I really like him at 5,500 this week. I think he has a ton of value. And also Braden Lindsay's solid value at 4,500. He's kind of a joystick guy. They give him some carries on reverses and stuff, so he can make big plays. Only other question is, will Ian Book vulture Kyron Williams in goal line situations? Other than that, put Kyron Williams everywhere. That's the only risk you have. Uh, he is a star. So let's move on. It is Auburn at South Carolina. Auburn minus three over under 51 and a half. Right here, right now, Tank Bigsby at running back. Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz at wide receiver are only playable options on Auburn for me. Not sure I still trust Gus Malzahn with his running back rotations week to week. And Bo Nix will continue to always be a threat on the goal line. So it's just something you have to consider 
about Tank Bigsby, even though he plays, he's been playing and getting the lines are playing really well. Um, I don't know that I completely trust it yet, and for the reasons I mentioned. Uh, similar price range guys at running back that I'd rather play for a variety of reasons, just as examples. I think I'd rather go with Anaya Smith at AM, Jameer Gibbs for Texas, uh, Georgia Tech, Traylon Smith, assuming Rakeem Boyd is out, Eric Gray in Tennessee, Rodriguez Clark for Memphis, and maybe even Deion Jackson for Duke? Maybe. But those are some examples I think I'd rather go with for the reasons I mentioned over Tank Bigsby, at least for now. And uh, on the other side, South Carolina, very straightforward. We know it's Shai Smith, Kevin Harris at running back, and Nick Muse are just kind of the only options to play in my mind for that offense. So I'm going to move on to the next game. It is Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Texas A&M is minus six and a half over under of 54 and a half. The first order of business here is admitting mistakes. The overreaction to Mississippi State in week one, I was one of them. I have to admit it. Uh, it, it was just, it's at this point, week one is kind of a mirage. They've had two horrible losses to Arkansas and Kentucky. Costello, since the first week, has one touchdown, seven picks. Their offense has scored 14 points overall. And also, on the other point, now we saw LSU allowed almost 600 more yards to Mizzou in a loss last week. So maybe they just suck. Um, so, yeah, you have to just own it. It, it, was, uh, it was an overreaction. I was in that bucket, and uh, I admit it. So, anyway... I love both Isaiah Spiller and Anaya Smith at running back for AM. Smith probably a little bit undervalued um, with injury to Caleb Chapman last week, which was uh, really disappointing. He was having a huge game, went down late in that game with an injury. So I think maybe Smith bumps his ceiling up, maybe more involved in the passing game now. And then Chase Lane, now probably fairly priced after another nice game from him at receiver. He's around 5,700, which I think is, is fair. And maybe injury to Chapman gives way to Demond Demas. I Look, I, I keep mentioning him, but I know that Twitter agrees with me because every time I look at Twitter during their games, everyone's just like, where is he? Why is he not on the field? Every AM fan is so upset. And, um, so people are hyped about this guy. I don't think he's has a catch yet. I know he's been on the field a little bit, but... Um, People want it. They're, they're excited for him. He's supposed to be super athletic. So, um, and they're also, if you want to like confirm this, what I'm talking about, go and look at videos of him on Twitter doing all these crazy like pregame routines or warm up where he's doing all these backflips and stuff. He looks like he's like an Olympic athlete it's, it's, for what he's doing. It's, it's crazy. So anyway, um, I think he's at 3,200. Something to consider. Dart throw. You get it. Uh, and then there's Jalen Watermeyer, solid price floor combo at tight end. Uh, as well for Texas A&M. And on the other side, you know, like I talk about, so what do we do with Mississippi State at this point? I, I still think it's interesting. I still think they're going to have uh, big weeks. Maybe it's the volume guys like uh, Malik, Heath, and Austin Williams are the safest plays. You know, Cyrus Mitchell and, and uh, Peyton, I forget his first name, I think it's Javante Peyton. Maybe they're the, the higher upside guys. But I almost wonder if it's Tylen Hill or Bust for me. I, I, I don't know... He's the one guy that I know I'm going to get a super high floor from with the big upsides, so I'm kind of willing to pay for that. Uh, the rest of it, with as bad as KJ Castell has been, I don't know what to do with it. I, it's it's tough to say. So um, do what you will. I think I'm Kylan Hill 
or bust for at least another week. And uh, let's get out of here and go to the next game. We have, I think, two left. Oh, yeah. Programming note. Don't play anyone on LSU and uh, Florida. It's Cincy at Tulsa. Cincy's minus three and a half over under a 44. I'm out on Cincy besides the Dokes. I think he uh, reclaimed that role very clearly as the number one RB. We talked about a little bit last week. Maybe there was some uh, question as to how much they trust him, but he had a really nice game, and I think he's a clear RB1 now. There is some value at wide receiver on the Bearcat side, but I just haven't seen them all together yet with Alec Pierce. And I also think Desmond Ritter might just be bad at football. So I, I don't know if I have or if I'm willing to invest there, receiver there, and especially in a game that has an over-under of 44. So let's move to the Tulsa side. I still think there's a lot of value with Sam Crawford Jr. that he's mispriced at 4K. Uh, both him and Kylan Stokes, very solid price floor combos with sneaky upside week to week as well. Um, so I like both those guys. Tulsa running backs, I just don't trust it. All very touchdown dependent for um, a low over-under game. I'm just going to stay away from that. So let's just move on to the last game. It is... Virginia at Duke, over-under of two and a half. Sorry, over-under. Virginia minus two and a half, over-under 60 and a half uh, at Wake Forest. And obviously, the status of Brennan Armstrong, um, what's the impact? Not sure either way, really. Um, their backup, ooh, what was his name? Lindell, ah, I'm going to screw it up, so I'm not going to say it. But uh, anyway, he played decent uh, without him anyway. A lot of it was junk because they were kind of coming back, but still was competent, it appeared. Had decent stat line. Either way, um, Terrell Janet and Billy Kemp, the fourth, are the only reliable options week to week in this offense for me. Um, huge tight end. Tony Pulgin, he's like 6'7", 260 something. He's a big guy. He went for seven catches, 31 yards and a touchdown last week. He's at 3,900, something to consider there. Oh, it's, it's Lindell Stone. That's what it is. Yeah, I got it. Lindell Stone. Um, so he threw for 204 yards and three scores. He's at 6,800. I think he's a decent option and a pretty soft matchup with Wake if uh, Armstrong is out. On the Wake side, if there was a, a week where you can kind of raise the ceiling uh, maybe for Wake on offense, this could be the week. Uh, Taylor Moran at wide receiver and Jakari Roberson, I think, have nice price four combos. They're around, I think, 50, maybe 5,400 for Moran and 4,700 for Roberson. Kenneth Walker, fairly priced at about 6,600 for a running back. And I think there's other options I'd still rather pay for. But um, he's capable of putting up nice games. Sam Hartman at quarterback? I guess if you're if you're paying down, he's a pretty decent option. Um but I don't know. I think I, it's at 5,800. I'd probably rather take Jeff Sims. So let's move on. I was wrong. There are more games. Uh, we have two more. <laughs> uh, UK at Tennessee. Tennessee is minus six over under 46. So tougher matchup here uh, against Tennessee. Really low total. Looking like kind of an ugly game here. Probably out on the Wildcats besides Josh Ali at wide receiver 5,100. I'm not going to spend any more time on that side. My opinion remains the same on the Tennessee side. It's Josh Palmer, Eric Gray, or bust. Um, I'm just not really interested in anyone else. 
the upside isn't there for a lot of guys. Jalen Hyatt remains one of those dart throw candidates that I like, um, but that that's it. So let's just move on to, yes, this is the last game. It's Duke at NC State. NC State minus four and a half over under of 60. So kind of similar to my take on Wake Forest, if there is a week to maybe bump up the ceiling on Duke's offense, this could be it. They're pretty solid over under here. Running back Deion Jackson and Mateo Grant coming off huge games against the Qs. Expect probably a 60-40 split in favor of Jackson there. But I think this is a, a week where they can both be considered, especially Jackson, um, who's probably going to get anywhere, you know, 15, 20 touches. And they, with both these guys against the Qs, which is what they want to do, they want to run the ball uh, because Chase Bryce, I just don't think, has a, a lot of upside as a, as a passer. They ran the ball 53 times between Durant and Jackson against Q. So I think they're going to stick to that similar game plan moving forward to kind of just protect Chase Bryce a little bit. Wide receivers and tight ends, uh, Jalen Calhoun, Jake Bobo, Noah Gray are top value plays on, their, on the receivers for this offense. My favorite is Noah Gray at 3,800. That is all for Duke. On to NC State. Great matchup for running backs, Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person. Kind of similar to Jackson and uh, Durant. Zonovan Knight is kind of the Deion Jackson to Ricky Person's. Uh, Mateo Durant is kind of the spell guy. 60-40 split, probably. Knight might be one of the top value plays. Uh, Price-floor combo candidates at running back on the board. Talked a lot about Devin Leary last week. He was okay against Virginia with 184 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, but really didn't have to do much with the Who's for turnovers they coughed up to NC State. So um, they were just shooting themselves in the foot all game, and Leary just had to not make huge mistakes on his end. So I think he's an interesting play this week. It I think around 6,500 maybe. Tons of value, I think, with wide receiver Emeka as Meezy at 4,900 and tight end Kerry Angeline at 4,100. I think if you're looking for value, especially Emeka Meezy has a ton of upside as well. And then also, some freshman named Porter Rooks has back-to-back three catch weeks with Leary under center. He's also 3,800, someone to consider. Also had a TD overturn last week. They said he hit the ground or the ball hit the ground. He didn't get underneath it. He still disputes it. Doesn't think it's true. But anyway, did a little reading about this guy. They're really excited. Um, he's starting to get more involved in the offense. He clearly has a role. And again, it's these guys who have, you know, they have, you know, they have a solid floor. You know, three, four catches, and then there's a sneaky upside. They're on the field. They're gonna play, and they, there's they have the, the sneaky upside. It's possible. You know, if they five catch 60 yards and a touchdown upside if you get that from someone like this you're cooking so um porter rooks consider it that is it i did it you did it we did it good luck this week and thank you for listening we will see you next time stick around for the nfl picks coming up now It is week six in the NFL. Uh, as always, I'm joined by the one and only Doctor. Doctor, it was a uh, it was a tough week for us last week, and I think we both had uh, three of the same 
bets and we uh, went 0 3 in our agreements. And, you know, beyond that, LeBron won a title, and I just want to check in with you, do a little wellness check. How, how you doing? No, that that's fine. The Le- LeBron stuff, QBB. Uh, you know, it's an it's an asterisk. I mean, <laughs> you know, that was uh, you know, that was borderline AAU tournament that that happens uh, in the bubble there. So uh, we'll put the asterisk next to it. I'm just glad that he feels like he got the respect that he deserves. Um, that's great for him. As far as last week goes in the picks, hey, you just gotta own it. You know, those those weeks are going to happen. Uh, you just you got to own it. You got to bounce back. This isn't uh, you know a week to week thing. It's a long game. So we'll be back at it this week and picking some winners. Okay. Well, um, let's let's talk just the board last week for me. Uh, I was one and four. My only win was I think the Vikings uh, covering against Seattle, and then that brings me to a stellar nine fourteen and two on the season. Yep, and the doctor, you were also one in four. What was your winner? The Rams. Yep, okay, and I think that what was funny too is, I think we were messaging, and it was like, as much as I would love to like, you know, spin and put my clever reasons about why we weren't really wrong, we I can't even do that because I think we lost these games by like blowouts. We were on the outside could, of blocks. <laughs> I think you could add, I looked at, I think you could have added 10 points to all four of my losers, and they'd still be losers. <laughs> yeah, like... Casey uh, lost outright. Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right. Let's talk. Let's talk through five weeks in the NFL against the spread trends. Favorites versus dogs through five weeks is 33, 37, and three. Home versus road against the spread. Home teams are 34, 40, and two. Home favorites are 22, 28, and one. Home dogs 11, 11, and two. Substantial favorites, which we consider to be of seven points or greater, are 15, 12, and two. And there was now there's four outright losses of those substantial favorites, adding Kansas City to that uh, awesome bag last week. They were the one. And I think last week it was kind of a, yeah, last week it was five and nine for the, for well, five and nine for favorites. So nine and five for the dogs. So big dog barking contest last week. And I think I did pick a lot of underdogs, but just not the right ones, apparently. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we had three. I think those were the same, maybe, and yeah. over three. <laughs> yeah. So they they were part of the they were part of the five. Okay. So uh, this week, fourteen games scheduled as of right now. We have eight home favorites, six home dogs, four substantial favorites that are the Pats, Indy, which is questionable right now. I think to play Ravens and the Fish. A uh, big favorite, and there's no there was no TNF, which I was enjoying quite a bit. I hate Thursday night football, so we're all on Sunday. And we have a doubleheader on Monday, which we'll get to. But uh, Doctor, I'm going to start with my first pick because it, it, I don't want to. If it's in yours, it's going to ruin my setup. So okay, I'm just going to start up. This is an NFC matchup. Two NFC teams, and what I'm going to do is give you a blind resume of the quarterbacks and some of their stats so far this season. Oh boy. And then you're going to – I'll let you try to identify which game this is. Quarterback A ranks number one in the NFL in completion percentage. Quarterback B ranks 23rd. In yards per attempt, quarterback A ranks ninth. Quarterback B ranks 32nd. In terms of passer rating, quarterback A ranks 11th. Quarterback B ranks 28th. Do you care to venture – what this matchup could be in the NFC. Um, 
Yeah, I think I can get there. Let me just, let me just. Yeah, take your time. The, take, take your time. the schedule here. Um, this is going to be Foles Bridgewater. Ding! You've done it, my friend. <laughs> and here's the point: the Bears stink. Nick Foles stinks. <laughs> Matt Nagy stinks. <laughs> It's the Panthers minus one and a half is the pick. <laughs> You're just ignoring the record there of the Bears? We're just ignoring uh, that? I told you they were frauds. I don't care. Whatever. What does that say about the Pats, too, losing to them? Oh, my goodness. Or, sorry, not the Pats. Brady. Look at you. Look at you. Can't even, can't even separate. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. Oh, that's good. That's it. So that's, that's the, they just stink, and we're going, uh, we're going Panthers for you. Panthers minus one and a half. Just ignoring teams with Ws. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Uh, that's the pick. All right. So, look, you, you've already set us up. We, we, had a, we had a tough week last week. There's no doubt about it. So, when you come off a tough week, it's critical to stay with what you know. You know, one of our fundamentals is understanding the illogical Detroit Lions organization. So, my first game is Detroit at Jacksonville. Detroit is laying three points, which is shocking. Uh, how they're favored on the road, I, I don't know, but that means I like it. So look, we, we've looked at um, we've looked at Detroit in spots before, and just like we did with Arizona earlier this year, we identified a spot for them to go to go get a W. I think the same uh, will happen here. This is one of those games, you know, both teams statistically stink, so there's no point really talking about that. But if you're Lions fans, you know this is where our boy, your boy, CDS, check down staff. Uh, comes in, he's gonna he's gonna convert some of those yards into TDs this week. So his blind fan base will buy back into him being a good quarterback, even though we all know he's far from that. But this group of Detroit Lions fans thinks he's good for some reason. Anyway, the pick is uh, Detroit minus three. This is what the Lions do. Jump on it. It'll be a winner. Yeah, I really hope not. But um, I I can see I can see uh, the path and I see the logic. I understand it's. Okay. Well, let's all head too to, well. All yeah, too I, well I, you do. All, all too well. And I, I won't be watching one minute of that game, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's head to the Bay Area for Sunday night football. It's the Rams and the Niners. And look, we've seen now the Rams, or sorry, the Niners, since this, you know, all these injuries in week two, they're one and two. Brutal loss to Fitz Magic last week. And um, look, it just, we talked about this a little bit before. With some of these injuries and they pile up, it gets kind of the point of no return. Their identity last year was the defensive line that's been completely lost. From that team last year, DeForest Buckner, one of their best defensive linemen, he's already gone to the Colts. Bose is down. Solomon Thomas, D. Ford, Ronald Blair, DJ Jones. These are starters or major contributors from last year. All gone. You add to the list, Richard Sherman, he's not going to play either. Pass protection has been a mess for the Niners. I'm not sure if it even matters because – Kyle Shanahan is scared of his quarterback. He is scared of Jimmy G. He doesn't want him in the game. So I, it is, it's gotten so bad. Um, and look, I've talked about also, I used to dog the Rams last year. I call them the Lambs. They're the Rams again. I love what I've been seeing from back. them. I, I love what I've seen them. They're back to the running game, 140 yards per game on the ground. That ranks seventh. And that's not a fake stat, like a bunch of quarterback run yards. That's all running back yards. It sets up all the great play action, all that McVay sauce, the pre-stamp motion, reverses to Cup and Robert Woods. All healthy, by the way, too. The Rams, probably the healthiest team in the NFL. Not one major contributor is on the injury report. Also, divisional matchup that they got swept by the Niners last year. 
I think they want a piece of that ass. They smell blood in the water. And they're going to go Sunday night to San Fran, lay the three, and win by a touchdown at least. Wow. Bob, I felt a lot of passion and conviction in that pick. And that was, there was some fire there. Tucks. Good stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll play right off that because we'll go to uh, the Jets uh, in South Florida. Uh, the Finns lay in nine and a half. This is a Finns team that just destroyed that Niners team you talked about. I am still in complete shock at, at what happened there. So, yeah. you know, something might be happening in, in South Florida. Look, uh, <laughs> it's wild to see Miami giving nine and a half points. I, I don't know. You'd have to go back and look. I, I couldn't find it, but I can't imagine the last time they were given given this many points. Uh, it has to be years. Damn so, real era? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but look, let's let's talk about the Jets for a second. We, we took them last week. It didn't work out. We're going to have to take them again in the future at certain times. This is not one of those weeks. They've been a complete disaster. They will be a disaster this week. There's no turnaround coming this week. I mean, the release of, of Bell, I mean, just what what is going on there? Uh, so they're a disaster. They're going to stay a disaster for this week. And, you know, as we talked about the Finns last week, looking looking really good. They're playing with a lot of confidence. You know, they're averaging 27 points per game, which includes an 11 spot in week one to New England. So if you were to throw that out, that's going to bring that average up quite a bit. The Jets, uh, DFL, averaging 15 points per game. They can't score. They've only broken 17 one. And then the Jets also, uh, NDFL, next to dead freaking last, uh, giving up 32 points. And Miami's only given up 22.6. So I see a big blowout coming here. Uh, last thing I'll mention, the Finns are 5-2 and two, uh, ATS in the last seven home games. The J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets are 0-5 A-T-S this year. So another big week for South Florida. Uh, are the Dolphins back? I, I don't know if they're back, but I know Joe Flacco's back. So Well, and, but in fairness, like the Dolphins, look, they played pretty competitive against the Bills team, which yeah. you know, people, people think is pretty good. And then, you know, that Seattle game we talked about, just too many field goals, but they were competitive for the, for the most part of that drive before the half really crushed them. So... I, I don't know. There's some. There's something happened there. Fitz magic. We'll see how it yeah. goes. But this week they'll cover for sure. I and I think I think Vegas is catching up a little bit with it just because this isn't the same team. Everyone remembers like the start to last year, how they got blown out by like 50 by the Ravens, and they were the first like four games was so yeah. bad. But even down the stretch, they weren't that bad. So um, probably a little better than people perceive them to be. Um, speaking of Le'Veon Bell, let's head to Monday night where we have a doubleheader in his new team, Ooh. the KC Chiefs. And I'm just going to keep this simple. I talked about it last week. If I believe what I believe about this Chiefs team, that they're in a tier all by themselves, then I'll just excuse last week as a little hiccup. They're not going to go yep. undefeated. So just keep it simple. Nice bounce back here. Minus three and a half at Buffalo. I'm taking the Chiefs. I also want to go to the Cowboys game. And the other double header. Okay, well, we are we are both. Uh, these are on my list too. So let's let's get into them. Okay, so the boys. Also, are you familiar with the TV show Doctor? The, I'm sorry, the boys. Yeah, you're familiar. I I am not. Okay, well, for all you out there, if you're looking for something, um, I know Doctor would like this because it's kind of like an adult version of superheroes genre. So I know, like it's kind of like Game of Thrones, where it's like you know Dungeons and Dragons yeah, for adults. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't watch that. I don't have ten sided die. I don't, I don't do God all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but for everyone else who likes quality TV shows, check it out. And ten sided um, die. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So look, um, on the surface, I can see the setup. Dallas 
awful on D, right? Now you got Kyler and Nuke coming to town. No Dak? Well, let me tell you something. This Arizona team has that sixth rank in rushing per game, but that's fraudulent. Do you know why? Kyler Murray makes up for almost half of their rushing yards. That's fake. Kenyon Drake, their starting running back, averaging 3.7 yards per carry. Bottom third against the run is Arizona. Now Chandler Jones is out. Now with Andy Dalton in, I'm smelling a big night for Zeke. A lot of handoffs. They're going to go back to the grind, back to the ground game. And Zeke's going to eat. And I got a win. Oh, it's the win one for Dat game one week later. And I think the Cowboys pull it off and Arizona goes down again. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll start there. Then I'll circle back to KC. Um, Look, the boys are 0-5 ATS this year. Uh, you can go ahead and make that 0-6 on Monday night. Uh, cute narrative you just spun there. Um, but look, that defense, that boys' defense is horrific. And sure. they haven't proven anything. And I just don't think Dalton's going to be able to keep up. So, yeah, they can hand it off. I, I think they'll be, you know, they'll have some success on the ground. That's fine. They can't stop um, the Cardinals at all. And Dalton's not going to have enough firepower to keep up. So your running game will be cute. They'll fall behind, and then it'll be lights out for them. So look for the Cardinals. They have a field day. Uh, I'm going Cardinals minus one and a half. Uh, Nuke, big, big, big day for Nuke coming. Now, back to uh, back to the KC-Buffalo narrative. Uh, I'm on board with you. I, I agree with, you know, with everything you said. I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs minus the three and a half. Look, there's a lot of people talking about, like, Oh, the Pats and the Raiders have kind of figured them out, and the other teams can now use that as a, you know, as their blueprint or whatever you want to call it to go, you know, implement that game plan. Look, that's not happening. It's not the truth. This KC team is not losing twice in a row. Um, you know, the Bills have also been exposed to giving up a ton of points to multiple teams this year. So, I don't, I don't see them, um, I don't see them slowing this Buffalo team or this Kansas State team down. A couple. You know, ATS notes, um, after failing to cover the spread the week after the Chiefs are 4-0 ATS. Um, not to mention, Buffalo um, is 3-7 and seven, uh, ATS in their last 10 games as a home underdog. So there's some heavy ATS trends for the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Um, so let's go with the Chiefs, minus 3.5. Yeah, don't overthink it. Keep it simple, guys. Yeah, and um, I also think this is the start also of Buffalo coming back down to reality this week. I know they have the Jets next week. They'll take care of business there. We'll have to see what the spread is and what side we're going to be on. But then they go uh, New England, Seattle, into the desert, and I think they're going to get a couple more L's across those three games. That's right. I do think they're a good team, and Allen has played a lot better. So that's what's kind of elevated them a little bit. But, um, yeah, I don't know if they're a – I don't know if I consider them like a Super Bowl contender. But yep. speaking of Super Bowl contenders, uh, someone that appeared in the ASU title game last year <laughs> – Wow. They are playing at home. The Titans are against the Texans. Oh, man. Uh, I have this game, too. So let's hear what you got. Uh, fine. I'm just going to do this. is my cute pick of the week because there is no. The only reason someone could logically give you to say, hey, I like the Texans here is Tennessee played on Tuesday night, correct? Yep. Yep. So short week, but they didn't, they didn't go anywhere. They're at home still. So I. I still don't buy into it that much. Uh, we've talked about Houston in the past. This roster's a mess. It's Deshaun Watson has an incredible, perfect game, or they just lose. And that's against mediocre teams, right? Tennessee's a good team. They are a Super Bowl contender. Uh, Tannehill, one of the top passer rating, I think he's in the top 
two or three in passer rating in the league. Uh, all they do is run the ball Derrick Henry, which Texans are one of the worst teams against the run. So I looked at this line and went, this doesn't make sense. I'm picking the Texans because it doesn't make sense. And all I can tell you is maybe it's just addition by subtraction where Vegas just goes, hey, you guys get three or four extra points a week because B.O.B. is gone. That's just going to make you that much better. So this line really should be seven, but because B.O.B. isn't there, you guys are a little bit better. We'll take it down to three. That's all I can Perfect. say. So I'm on the Texans uh, plus three. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, so, well, I'm I'm there with you. Um, <laughs> and look, I, I thought I thought uh, you'd stay away from this one, and I was going to I was gonna run off some, some stats to you, and then you were going to give me this narrative about Houston can't run the ball, they can't stop the run, um, which statistically they can't. But last week, they ran for 130 and only gave up 75. I know that was against a Jaguars team that I just picked to lose to the Lions, so it's not it's not saying much. But, right. um, you know, a little bit of the maybe turn the corner, focus on some things. The other thing is Deshaun Watson, he did throw two picks, but he had a pretty good game. Um, part of that reason is they were to keep keep pressure away from him. Titans, not great applying pressure. 30th in the NFL with sacks, only five over their four games. They also ranked 23, 23rd in pass yards given up. So, you know, the Texans had a big game last week throwing the ball. Uh, Brandon Cooks came out of came out of his shell. I think he had like, a, what, like 180 or something like that. Big, big, big game for him. So big game. that's where the narrative thing is. And that also, look, Tennessee's practiced like three times in the month of October. If if they come off a short week with, with no practice and, and minimal time to prepare together and you win this game, like the NFL should like practice once a week then and just do like just do game tapes and cover stuff from home. Like there, I, it makes no sense to me that you know, as much as we talk about preparation in the NFL, where this team is you know not together, not able to go to the facility, um, not able to do certain things together, that they can come away with another W. So it'd, be, it'd just be very interesting to me to see them. Um, coming away with this one and i think that's priced into the line and also i'll give you the you know the bob joke you made but <laughs> i think that's a bigger piece of this is the short week and that they haven't been able to practice together i think they were able to fake it for a week and, and it's going to come up and bite them this week yeah it is interesting that's an interesting point about no practicing because i you see both sides of it i mean i remember like the patriots teams and i don't want like to use the patriots as an example because they're kind of like aliens but uh but like they've always used to talk about like when it got to sunday we already knew it was over because, like, we practice so much harder, almost as hard as we play, and we could tell in warmups that we were more we were more ready to play. And I was like, okay, but I can see what you're saying. Like, if they just come out and just kind of take care of business and beat this team, it's like, I don't know, what are we really doing here with all these? You know, time of practice? Yeah. Are we talking about practice? Yeah. I mean, to, to a degree, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a it's a fair conversation. So, I'm through my picks. Are you? I, that that was that was five. We we uh, we tied or the last three we uh, had the same game. Two likes and um, we disagree in the. You'll be wrong in the Cowboys Cardinals game. Oh, that's um, big, big deck. Big, big Zeke game. Big Zeke game. Um. Okay. Well, that was uh, that was fun. It was great. Any parting shots? Um, do you do you have any commentary on either one of the town halls you may have may have watched last night? Was there was there anything worth uh, discussing there? I here's the one thought I had, and I don't know what it, I don't know what it, I don't know what it means. It's probably it's probably something not good, but okay. I I turned to Biden's and I go, well, I'm not watching this. I want to watch Trump, and I don't even like this dude, but I wanted to see him, and I thought this is like this is like the Howard Stern effect. We've elected the talk radio host that you either want to see, no matter if you like him or well, hate him, 
you want to see what he says. <laughs> well, and it's you know, regardless of you know, we don't take political stance here, but it's always combative, right? Both himself and the host, right? Yeah. They are versus the Biden one. I didn't I didn't watch a ton of, but it all I watched a little of. It always seems like it's a little more of a friendly exchange versus uh, an adversarial one, if you will. And so that's why the you know watching Trump is is a bit more exciting and interesting because you never know what he's going to say and you know that other person is going to be attacking him. So uh, I get I get why you would, uh, would switch <laughs> over that one for sure. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not watching Biden. I was like, you know, and I don't I don't care about it either way. But I was just like, yeah, I, if I'm going to watch one of them, and I think that's what most people are doing, like. And, you know, he always talks about ratings, which is kind of humorous. But I bet if you check the ratings, oh, it's yeah. got to be way higher, right? So yeah. I, I don't know what that says about us. Probably nothing. Uh, bad, people, <laughs> people's minds are already made up. We're watching. You, this is being watched as sheer entertainment. And, I know. And you nailed it. And that's that's why the uh, that's why you probably did have good ratings. I know. Oh, boy. Uh, it's great. <laughs> well, um, all right. Uh, we want to say good luck to everyone out there. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. All right, Bob, thanks. Programming note, there will be no Night Slate content this week. It's a five-game board. There isn't a whole lot to go over. Um, if you really want to talk about it, slide in those DMs on Twitter. I'll respond, at Real Bobby Adcock, or even the Graham. Um, but yeah, get as many Alabama guys and North Carolina guys in your lineup as you can. That's that's the hard hit analysis. There it is. I've done it. Um, other than that, uh, that is it for this episode. I want to thank everyone for listening. Download, subscribe, rate, review, DSRR. Make sure you do that. Uh, the reviews and the feedback is always appreciated. And uh, throw a follow out there on the gram, at SportsPodHookup, Twitter, at SportsPodHookup. Good luck. We'll see you next week.